We go and grab a quick bite. We watch a movie, then fight. We're the Fast Food Film Friends. You're listening to Fast Food Film Friends, the show that has two main characters who look almost exactly the same, but luckily we will not be introducing a third absolutely ridiculous and unnecessary lookalike anytime soon. This week we're talking about the Princess Switch switched again while eating Quiznos <laughs> Winter Turkey Feast Sandwich. I really hope the food is a lot better than the movie. From IMDb, the plot summary of The Princess Switch, Switched Again, reads as follows. When Duchess Margaret unexpectedly inherits the throne to Montanaro and hits a rough patch with Kevin, it's up to her to double Stacy to save the day before a new lookalike party girl Fiona foils their plans. That was the most difficult thing to read (coughs) because it's just so poorly worded. And I can tell whoever wrote that synopsis probably was the director of this movie. (laughs) Haven't we all hit a rough patch with Kevin before? (laughs) Trust me, I have. That's for sure. From Quiznos.com, the winter turkey feast sandwich features rosemary parmesan bread, sandwiching oven roasted turkey, cheese, lettuce, and tomato, all topped with craisins, dried cranberries, and French dressing. Ooh, I like that they're using sandwiching as a verb. Always a fan of that. Mm-hmm. Always a fan of that. Uh, very intrigued by the craisins and dried cranberries, or are they just calling craisins and then they felt the need to specify dried cranberries? I copy and paste this description, and it is. it says craisins, dried cranberries with no comma in between. I don't know what that means, if that's some kind mm, of combo great. or two separate things. I will say... <laughs> We've eaten a lot of food on this show. We've had two Thanksgiving-themed episodes in the past. We got Mm -hmm. some different ingredients here. I can't say we ever had a rosemary parmesan bread. No, I was actually kind of excited about that. Yeah, I went to order this today, uh, which was a pain, and I couldn't get it delivered, which was also a pain. I had to go into a filthy Quiznos that is part gas station, part Quiznos. Uh, luckily the guy took his mask off as I walked up to talk to me. So I felt very good about bringing the sandwich home. (laughs) Um, but, uh, when I was ordering it, I saw, you know, rosemary Parmesan bread and it said, you know, recommended it still let you choose your bread, but it said recommended rosemary Parmesan. Um, and I'm pretty, yeah, I love a good Thanksgiving sandwich like this. So I'm, uh, I'm all into it. Put some dried cranberries and craisins on any sandwich. I'm going to give it a shot. So we're recording this in two separate places. We actually got these sandwiches from two different Quiznos, which is also mm. a first for our show. I'm very curious yeah. to see how the experiences differ, but I will say I had a similar kind of interaction with my guy at my Quiznos. Yeah. I, I ordered the sandwich. He asked mm-hmm. which bread. I said the rosemary parmesan, and then he reminded me that I could get any bread I want. And Ooh. I was like, that's a bad sign. Why? Why is he's really trying to push me towards a different type of bread? Is this a weird bread? I mean, it could go pretty wrong. It seems like it's going to be a pretty, you know, fragrant, uh, flavorful bread, which you know could distract. Who knows? Could distract from uh, the rest of this delicious sandwich. There's a lot going on with this sandwich. Either way, I mean, there's a lot crammed in here. This winter turkey feast sandwich is also known as the WTF sandwich. <laughs> Pairs great with this movie because WTF. Yeah is all I could think while watching it. I cannot explain how angry I was that they even made another one of these. I, you know, how many of these movies are they going to do, Nathan? Because with the quad F bump that this is going to get, it's probably worth it in the ratings to crank out another one. And I don't know how many more Vanessas they can introduce or how many different wild, zany iterations of her uh, could be brought on. It is uh, very worrying to say the least i mean there's a lot to talk about this movie there's a lot to shit on we're gonna dig in pretty soon i want to ask you first which of these two things died faster in your opinion Mm. the movie theater industry last week after warner brothers announced that all of their 2021 (gasps) films are released on hbo max next year the same day they're released in theaters or your soul after watching this movie I would say my soul about 30 seconds into this movie is the thing that died fastest. Mm -hmm. Now, I am still shook by that announcement from the WB to release all their movies on HBO Max. But, God, you know, I like I held out some hope that this movie would be somewhat, I don't know why, somewhat decent, you know, not an absolute disaster. And, man, it just like took all the bad parts of the first one and latched onto them in a very aggressive way and said, let's just do it all the same, except we're just going to give her a blonde wig too and see what happens. 
Speaking of garbage sequels, are you excited to be able to watch The Suicide Squad from the comfort of your couch next year? I will not be watching that movie. I will not be watching it. No matter what, I won't be watching that movie. Not going to happen. After that, what I don't even remember, Harley Quinn and the, I don't know, loss of interest in Suicide Squad, I think is the, the formal title, was just terrible trash the the silver lining of the theater going experience dying a fiery death is that we're gonna have big movies to talk about on this show soon yeah i'm sure that we'll review you know matrix 4 and space jam Ooh, i'm i'm very excited for space jam i have to tell you i am like i i wasn't at first i was kind of against it because you know i don't want to see lebron james in that role you know it's an mj role but now I just, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do. I'm also intrigued to see, because most kids don't know Looney Tunes these days. They have no idea who the Looney Tunes are. Uh, so I'm interested to see if they'll understand it and who these characters are, or if they'll just like it because it's cartoons and they're they're little loony. Now, Kevin, you and I usually like to share Nimble News, which is the part of the yeah. show where we review all things new as quickly as we can do. But, you know, Correct. seeing as the holidays are among us, it's a time to give thanks what do you say mm. we take a moment instead for our annual tradition of Thimble Thanks? I can't wait. Thimble Thanks is the part of the show where we take a step back from the hustle and bustle of the holiday season and express a little gratitude for the things we appreciate in life. Kevin, mm. why don't you start us off? I will. I will, Nathan. We both have so much to be thankful for this holiday season, even though we might not have as uh, many things to be thankful for this year compared to years past. I'm incredibly thankful for one thing that has been almost a, a constant in my life for years. It's gotten me through some highs, some lows, and really just kind of continues to inspire me to this day. And that thing is David Byrne. For those of you who aren't familiar with David Byrne, he was the lead singer of the band Talking Heads, which created some of the absolute best songs in the world. Nathan, I know you and I share an affinity for their song, This Must Be The Place. Mm -hmm. But he's also a writer, a composer, who's worked on movie scores. He showed up on John Mulaney's Sack Lunch Bunch special he's just this wonderfully weird person who is so unique not only in his voice uh but his movements his presence his he's just the epitome of a performer i'm thankful for his music and concerts obviously which you can experience on amazon prime by watching stop making sense a 1984 concert of the talking heads but i also just watched the spike lee directed version of his new-ish broadway play called american utopia on hbo and i am so thankful for this wonderful piece of art Spike Lee captured this Broadway show so incredibly well, it makes the Disney Hamilton version seem so formulaic and rigid. Everything about this show is super simple. The set, the costumes, the dance moves, but it's all so well choreographed and purposeful. And overall, the whole thing turns into this complex, multi-layered performance with a really good message behind it. Plus, they perform the song, This Must Be The Place. During American Utopia, David Byrne's talking about the inspiration for a song, uh, and he quotes his inspiration, a Dada artist, as saying that their artistic aim was to remind the world that there are people of different independent minds, beyond war and nationalism, who live for different ideals, which is not only very similar to our artistic aim with this podcast, but just something I think the world needs to be reminded of more often, especially nowadays. If you like plays, Broadway shows, concerts, and don't mind where the line is drawn between the three, you will love American Utopia. But it's a bunch of literally barefoot people performing on stage for an hour and 40 minutes, so if that doesn't sound like it's for you, skip it. Regardless, David Byrne is doing incredibly powerful and insightful things and trying to better the world. He even created a nonprofit called Reasons to be Cheerful that tries to highlight the good in the world. It's a self-described tonic for tumultuous times. And I think anybody who loves alliteration and cares about the genuine well-being of the people in the world as much as he does is somebody we should all be thankful for, Nathan. Speaking of bettering the world, I'm thankful for a show that I recently started watching for the first time, The Bachelorette. Oh, no. I would not be able to handle watching the series alone, but watching at the same time as friends while we discuss it moment to moment in our group chat is the highlight of my week. <laughs> I used to be baffled by the popularity of the show, but I now completely understand it. And I'm fully aware of how scripted and overproduced these interactions are. I don't care one bit. It is garbage entertainment in its purest form, most perfect form. <laughs> and it may not be what I need, but it is certainly what I want. Mm. Nathan, I hate to be repetitive, but my next thimble thanks is for another David. David Fincher. Now, obviously his newest film, Mank, has just been released, and although I haven't had time to watch it, I'm thankful for the excitement I already have just thinking about watching it. 
In the past few months, I've rewatched so many of Fincher's films, a couple of them actually during our movie club, Nathan. The Social Network, Seven. I rewatched The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo recently. I just watched Zodiac for the first time a few weeks ago, and that movie was just so damn well made, like all of his others. I know it makes me a little basic B, but I love Fight Club, and when I was thinking of how and why Fincher is one of the only directors that comes to mind when people ask who my favorite director is, the other being Wes Anderson, because I'm a Wes Anderson simp and will love everything he does forever, I instantly thought of Fincher's movie Panic Room. Now, I know this isn't the most popular Fincher movie, it's probably not his best, but I saw Panic Room when I was 12 years old, and I still love this movie, more than most people do, I would imagine. Because it was really one of the first movies I saw that broke the mold. The lighting was so dark and dingy, the direction was wild, and I just remember being like, huh, movies can make a 12-year-old feel stressed for the first time in his life? What? Fincher's just a master manipulator of emotions, and I can't wait to watch Mank and all of his future films, and especially all of his future interviews, because he's just so subtly hilarious. He and I both subscribe to the notion that all people are perverts, and that's where he draws a lot of his ideas and inspirations from for his films, which is the same reason I started this podcast with you. David Fincher is just a wonderful artist and somebody whose work we should all experience several times over throughout our lives, and I'm so thankful we exist at the same time as him. Recently, I ate pork belly tacos for lunch. Later that afternoon, I indulged in one of my favorite snacks, a spoonful of peanut butter. (laughs) And before going to sleep that evening, I had myself a little Irish cream nightcap. As I laid in bed, I realized something that I'm very thankful for, and that is fat. Mm. Maybe I've been eating more of it lately because it's getting cold outside and my desires are nothing more than a product of evolution. I'm not here to understand it. I'm just here to consume more of it. Mm -hmm. So here's to you, fat. Nothing butters my biscuit like you do. Nathan, there aren't a ton of silver linings that come with being stuck at home for months at a time, unable to go out to bars and restaurants, but I've been able to find a big, or slightly smaller than entree-sized, silver lining, which is the ability to order kids' meals for carryout or delivery from restaurants without question. (laughs) Now, I'm a dad, so I'm no stranger to ordering kids' meals, but typically those are reserved for my son. Now, Nathan, as you know, uh, and as our listeners know, I'm a reasonably large person, and I can eat quite a bit. Um, It's rare that I'm full after one entree, but usually a full appetizer on top of an entree is way too much. During COVID, however, I've been able to add an extra kid's meal to my order without needing to have an extra kid, and without getting looks from a waiter. I can add a kid-sized order of chicken tenders and fries to my salad if I want, and have the perfect well-rounded meal. I can get a small little baby burger to go with my pasta or my chicken sandwich and get a little baby side of fries or coleslaw, maybe some carrot sticks or uh, usually even a dessert and a juice box, which are just bonuses to an already great situation. I know this shame-free experience won't last forever, so I am living it to the fullest while I can, and I hope everybody, especially those without kids, takes advantage of this lovely little loophole during these trying times because soon you'll have to prove that you're 10 or under again to get that little extra side meal. I'm thankful for Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle, the creators and stars of the Hulu series Pen15. For those who haven't seen the show, these two 30-year-old women play 13-year-old best friends in the early 2000s, and all their classmates are played by actual teenage actors. What Pen15 captures above all else is how deeply weird it feels to be that age. Mm. Everyone looks back on their teenage years with embarrassment, and I think this series helps you laugh at those memories rather than cringe. It also makes me really miss AOL Instant Messenger, and I think we should all start putting song lyrics in our out-of-office messages for work. Nathan, I'm thankful for streaming services. Not just the Netflixes, Primes, HBOs, and Hulus, which I am still incredibly thankful for because, good God, imagine this world, imagine this pandemic without them. But I'm so thankful for all of the new streaming options and virtual theaters that have popped up and allowed us to support actual theaters or art houses while giving us access to otherwise unobtainable films, which have become some of my favorites of the year. This week alone, I'll be watching, and I think you will too, Minari and Nomadland, two films that are consistently in the running for best films of the year, from the comfort of my home while supporting the Lincoln Center. I know that innovation often comes from difficult times, and I am impressed with the creative solutions that have popped up so far, but I really hope that movie theaters can find even more innovative ways to bring back the theater-going experience, because God do I miss watching movies with a room full of strangers. 
But I will say studios are doing a great job of getting content to us conveniently, although not always cheaply, which isn't great, and in ways that allow more people to see movies they would otherwise never have had a chance to. Anybody can see these movies that would normally be watchable only at festivals hundreds or thousands of miles away, and I think that is super fucking neat. Kevin, my fourth Thimble Thanks is also about streaming services. Mm -hmm. I know this may seem like a strange time to bring up the topic of death, but I feel compelled to do so anyway. Rest in peace to Quibi, the streaming service built for mobile viewing that raised almost $2 billion to fund a wide array of shows, all with quick, bite-sized episodes. (laughs) Even though it shut down only six months after launching in April, I'm grateful that Quibi existed. Not because I enjoyed the service, or even tried it out at all, but because of this lesson that it taught us. Billionaires know what's best for the people, and if we don't appreciate the shit they try to shovel into our eyes and ears, that shit might be gone before we know it. Nathan, I'm thankful for a lot of other things this year. My health, my family's health, my friends who even if I only talk to some every now and then have the ability to just make me laugh or reminisce about better days. I'm thankful for therapy and medication and how much more open people are with discussions about mental health these days. I'm thankful for caffeine and crossword puzzles, which both save my life some days. And most importantly, I'm thankful for this podcast, Nathan, because without a creative outlet like this, I think I would slowly lose my mind. Being able to talk about nonsense and make stuff up as we go and just have in-depth conversations, which can be rare in 2020, is so goddamn refreshing and fun. So thank you, friend, for eating fast food and arguing over movies with me. And I want to thank everyone who's listening for giving us a reason to keep doing this show throughout a year in which the ways we experience food and movies have really changed. None of us know what the road ahead will look like, but we'll press on together. And I look forward to keeping this show's output a little more consistent in 2021. So Arby's, if you're listening, prepare the meats. All the meats. That's all the time we have for Thimble Thanks. Now let's dive into those Quiznos Winter Turkey Feast Sandwiches and the Princess Switch, switched again. Opening. Ooh. Looks like I've got some some rogue cranberries on the bottom here. Yeah, I, I got a few I got a few craisins that tried to escape, but to no avail. Yeah. Yep. Now if you get your nose on it kind of smells. Oh. If you give it a smell, it just smells like a PB and J almost. I mean, I'm really getting that rosemary in the bread. It, there, I don't even know what, this, you don't know what rosemary smells like. Get, get out of here. Excuse me? If I blind herb tested you, you would not be able to pick rosemary out of like five different spices. I don't think that's true. I've learned a lot about spices since we subscribed to HelloFresh. Every one of those mm. meals has like at least one or two. <laughs> I, my, my, my spice, my spicy senses, my spicer senses mm-hmm. are, are much more developed than they once were. Fine. You know what? Fine. I, I agree, though. There's a lot of smells coming from here. This is this Ugh. is aromatic. God, if you open it up, it is gross looking. The meat is almost like it's it's so white, it's almost translucent. You mean to say it's turkey? Uh, no, it's really weird looking. All right. Let's dig in. Hmm. I mean, for all the different ingredients that are on here... That fucking is a drag. That's so bland. I think I like this cheese. I think it's the French dressing that you're tasting. I think that the cheese and the French are really the only two things coming through. Turkey, Mm -hmm. we all know that turkey is the least flavorful meat that there is. Mm -hmm. You could literally tell me that this was made with no turkey and I would believe you. Oddly enough, I feel like I'm tasting the lettuce more than anything else other than the, the French and French dressing. That real shitty, wilty lettuce is somehow coming through. What a shame. I think it's because, except for the bread, if you just took the volume of all the innards, <laughs> the lettuce is like 70% of it. It is just packed, absolutely packed with lettuce. Yeah. And it's just, it's just not good lettuce. No, it's very bad lettuce. It's basically like a lettuce tamale, because it's just bread wrapped around this huge like cylinder of lettuce tomato meat wrapped around the lettuce too and bread and it's just i'm i'm let down by this it says a lot that we haven't even mentioned a the craisins 
mm-hmm. or B, the rosemary bread, which I would have thought would be two of the more flavorful aspects of this. I mean, I'm surprised as the spice master that you are that you're not getting some some serious rosemary hints here. I mean, you certainly taste it, but I, I was expecting that to be like overpowering. That's kind of what I was concerned about, but mm-hmm. barely makes a difference. Barely. Yeah, and the craisins. I mean, I'm getting heaps, heaps of them at points, and they're still not that flavorful. I think they're just drowned out by lettuce and bread. I feel like the addition of French, doesn't that seem like a surprising, you know, dressing or sauce to put on this? Like, I've, I can't say I've ever had a Thanksgiving sandwich, <laughs> or honestly, a Thanksgiving meal. That inv- yeah. I guess it just is to go with the lettuce. They figure mm. that's a salad dressing that might go with it, but I don't understand that. They put this sandwich together. They took a bite, realized it tasted like absolutely nothing, and thought, well, what sauce are we putting on it? And they had ranch and everything available to them, and they said, none of the other ones make sense. French kind of works, uh, and it looks the same color as the cheese, so let's go with that. I want to try this with gravy slathered on top. Oh. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> you slather any sandwich in gravy, I'm going to eat it happily. Quiznos gravy, though? Quiznos gravy? Mm, I don't know if I'd trust Quiznos gravy. I think Quiznos has consistently let us down. Is that safe to say? What was... Okay. I think it was the beginning of this year we did that tuna sandwich oh, God. with cats, <laughs> which fe- which feels like six years ago. God, wasn't that really this year? I mean, didn't cats come out in like January? December, January? I don't even know anymore. Time's not real. I'm pretty sure that we did another Quiznos item. Oh, the only things we've eaten before from them on the show are seafood, because the first one was that lobster thing. Mmm. <laughs> and both of those were not good. Maybe we have to give them, like, a, a baseline test. we got to stop <laughs> going with all these extreme sandwiches and just see if they've got the ability to pull off, like, a, a ham and Swiss or something. Like, <laughs> Tune in next real... week for our worst episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad that this is my dinner for tonight, because this is so unsatisfying. I was just going to say, Kevin, this sandwich has already entered I'm only eating it because I'm starving territory. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to eat the entire thing because... That's the worst part. I'm not wasteful. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I'm getting angry just looking at it. Dripping out God knows what from all sides of this thing. It's just like all lettuce. Why is there... Why did both... We went to two different Quiznos. They they gotta... We, let's write a letter. They need to lower the lettuce servings per sandwich. I'm just now getting into my second half of the sandwich. I am going to remove all the lettuce. I'm already... Almost done with my second half. Let me know how it is without lettuce. First of all, it is, I swear, half the height. That's bread oh, yeah. included. I mean, I can't imagine it's going to be much better. It's it's significantly better. I mean, mm. it's not like suddenly the craisins in Turkey have all this flavor, but just the fact that it's not being drowned out by, like, dirt water. <laughs> I would call this, I think there's a distinction here. Uh, it's not that I'm calling it edible. I think mm-hmm. it's eatable in the same way eatable. that a movie can be watchable. I think this is sure. an eatable sandwich. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, you know, I'm realizing like during the holidays, there's not really like lettuce on your table. Yeah, I mean, even if you're doing a salad, usually you're doing kind of a holiday seasonal salad that's got some, you know, some more artsy greens in it. So I would say, yeah, definitely go no lettuce. Yeah. And this like wasn't this wasn't the cheapest sandwich in the world. This cost me eight dollars. For an eight-inch sandwich. I could get two kids' meals with that kind of money. <laughs> I mean, dollar per inch, though? Let's be real. Eat, eat one inch off of this sandwich. You tell me that's a dollar's worth? That's more than I charge. <laughs> All I can say to that winter turkey feast sandwich is WTF. Oh, God. Now, another thing that I cannot in good conscience recommend is this film. <laughs> if yeah. you've listened this far... And you have not yet seen this movie. I feel very strongly that you should not watch it. Even if you like these kinds of movies, even if you liked the first Princess Switch, this one is considerably worse. Yes. That being said, there's nothing that anybody could have told me about this movie that would have stopped me from wanting to watch it. So I get the temptation. (laughs) This genre of film is immune to word of mouth. It is immune to critical reception. It is immune to all of the norms that all other films have to worry about. If this movie exists, it will be watched. Should I watch The Princess Switch 3? No. Will I? 
Yes. Oh, God. Uh, what? It's not even a genre, though. Like, what is it? Streamable Christmas romance? Is that the... Is that? I mean, for years, these have been called Hallmark Christmas movies. And now Netflix is encroaching on Hallmark. So I don't know what term... I don't know if, if there yeah. is a widely accepted term for all of these, other than just, like, cheesy Christmas movies. Yeah. But people... You see... You literally see the picture for this, and everyone knows exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. I'm... There's literally 50 movies that came out this month that like all essentially have the same covers, the same premises, and well, this one's a little unique with <laughs> the Princess Switch aspect, but it's all nonsense Christmas romance movies, and I just hate them all so much. I hate that Hallmark movies like ironically got watched, and then it was funny to watch them and make fun of them. It's and now it's just like they're clearly making enough money off these things where they can crank out this many with I, I mean they're not they're not like poorly okay they're not well made but they're not like terribly put together it's not like a home movie like there is some production value to these things and they're making so many of them and they're all you know free to stream or you know on hallmark and it's like how in the hell are they getting their return on these movies especially when they're paying uh vanessa three salaries i would assume i've got to assume the budget for this is 10 million dollars does that surprise you oh my fucking god think of how much good they could have done in the world instead of making this movie with 10 million dollars that is so dumb i hate that i never would have guessed it was that high i honestly never would have get most of it has to be to get vanessa hudgens back right it has to be. I hate this movie, and I think this movie hates me. I think <laughs> this film has contempt for anyone watching it. If you become invested in what's going on between the three Hudgenses, by the end, this movie is a middle finger to you. Mm. It is like the writer and director are being held hostage, and they have to make these movies until people stop watching them. So they're trying everything they can to keep people from ever pressing play on a Princess yeah. Switch film ever again. But guess what? It's not going to work. I will watch the third film because I'm a masochist. You have to be a masochist to watch these films, I feel like. I have a point in my notes. So the whole first, like, three, four, let's say four fifths, let's say fifth, five sixths. The first five sixths, uh -huh. it's just trash. And you know what to expect. It's trash. It's absurd. It's maybe the worst acted movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And at one point, I literally wrote, turning point? Question mark? And I thought things were were maybe going to turn around. Maybe it was going to get like on track with decent plot points and like some character evolution. And I don't know why I wrote that down. Because all my notes after that are just rage. Like just pure rage over how absurd the ending of this movie is. And just how dumb and pointless this entire movie is in general. I think that we should just jump into spoilers really quick because I would love to just kind of go through and try to understand this film. Yes. Before we get there, do you think, I know this would be unprecedented, mm. but in a crazy year like this one, do yeah. you think that Vanessa Hudgens could win three Oscars? I mean, if anybody could, it's Vanessa Hudgens. I agree. Her track record is just Oscar, 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 you know? Oh, sorry. I mean, Stacy, Margaret, Fiona is what I meant. <laughs> I will say, I will say, without spoiling things, I was, there's a moment of, like, uh, enjoyment for me in this, just seeing kind of the two main, like, assistants for the two first Vanessas. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how I'm going to keep track of Vanessas in this discussion. I have a system that we're going to get into, but continue. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, there's two little assistants. I don't even know their names. Like, I think one is Frank, maybe, and the other is, like, the woman assistant of the princess. I don't know. I like those two, and I was happy that they both got back. I think it's Mrs. Donatelli and Frank, I want to say. Yeah, but they I, were the the shining stars of the first film, I remember. Yes, and I remember very little about the first film, I realized. When this first started, they did like a little recap, and I was like, huh, how about that? Totally forgot. <laughs> totally forgot about almost every plot point in the first movie. So... I think we're going to be spoiling both the first film and the second film. But before we get to that, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. Let's. This episode of Fast Food Film Friends is brought to you by Quizno's new lineup of cyber slang sandwiches. You've heard of the WTF sandwich, or winter turkey feast. But have you tried the LOL sandwich, lettuce, onion, and lard? 
What about the OMG sandwich? Olives, mayo, and guacamole. And now for a limited time, try our new seafood sandwich, the R-O-F-L-M-A-O. Roasted oyster, fish lips, mackerel, and octopus. Quiznos Cyber Slang Sandwiches. Because boring sandwich names are for dweebs who eat at Subway. And we're back and it's time for our spoiler snack segment. The part of the show where we eat a snack and we just spoil everything that we possibly can about the film that we're discussing. Kevin, you and I are recording this in separate places and uh, we don't have a snack to physically share. But you did give me a snack a few days ago and you said, you know Mm -hmm. what? Hold on to this for safekeeping. Yeah. I'm going to grab that right now. I'm going to go grab mine as well and get this plate out of my room so that my sheets don't smell like Quiznos forever. Nathan walking back into my bedroom, it I don't think the smell of Quiznos is going to go away anytime soon. I went ahead and uh, added one of those Quiznos candles to my order. They just Mm. melt down their sandwiches and you can just keep that scent flowing for weeks. So explain to me what I'm looking at. Nathan, you are looking at a candy corn turkey dinner. Now, my cousin, uh, Shannon, big shout out to Shannon, sent me a package. And this is uh, probably around Halloween when candy corn really, you know, kind of is in its is in its peak. I got a package. I thought this is odd. I wonder what this is. It came with a card. I opened it up. I saw this bag that said turkey dinner candy corn was instantly repulsed. And after vomiting, read the card and it said, Kev. I'm not sure why I thought of you when I saw this version of Thanksgiving dinner, but here you go. And I thought, I'm so glad that this is the type of things my family, you know, thinks of when they think of me. Uh, But I am very, very intrigued by this because it says it's it's your basic. I mean, it looks like normal candy corn, little different colors. Sure. But we have here six different flavors, uh, which is an issue in itself because I'm trying to to find six different colors, and I can only find five. They all have, like, brown or yellow or green. Anyways, here are the flavors. Green beans is one. Yum. Roasted turkey is another. Cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. Ginger glazed carrot. Sweet potato pie. And stuffing. So we have six of those. Now, I've got five different colored candy corns laid out on my plate right here, and I'm just going through my bag... Trying to figure out what in the... Oh, I found it. It's going to take you a while to crack the code, but it is... There is are it six. That there's one... Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have... I'm going to describe you mine. I have a green one. I have a yes. red one. I have one that's pretty much entirely orange. I have one that's... The thin end is brown and it goes to a yellow gradient. Yep. Is the other one, the thin end is white and it goes to orange? That is another one. Uh, But that's only five for you, isn't it? Oh, right. What is this mystery sixth flavor? The sixth flavor is kind of yellow on top and brown on bottom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I see it now. It's very, very subtle differences here. Yes. And there's no way for us to know all these other brown and orange ones. There's no way for us to know which flavors these are. We're just going to have to guess. Yeah. By the way, I let Aiden, my son, try these uh, beforehand. He spit them out and said, you are not going to like those. Uh, So looking forward to it. I say we just take his word for it. (laughs) Nope, we're diving in. Which one do you want to start with? I think that we start with the orange on top, white on bottom. Okay. And we don't know what this could be. Let's go. Hmm. Is that carrot? Ginger glazed carrot, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Or that sweet potato pie, because I taste almost a little cinnamon. If that's sweet potato pie, I'm going to be very disappointed, because that's the only one I'm excited for, and that was not good. I do not. I don't think I've ever had sweet potato pie, so you're going to have to be the judge on that one. It's possible that it was, but I'm thinking ginger glazed carrot. All right. That one wasn't bad. (sighs) I mean, not great. Let's go. Let's go green. Let's just get green beans out of the way. Uh, I really hate green beans. I really hate green beans. It doesn't taste at all like green beans, but it's so disgusting. That's a really, really bad. That is. That's, um, that's worse than I imagine any of these tasting. That is honestly one of the worst things I think I've ever, ever tasted. Thanks again to my cousin Shannon. Uh, all right. 
Should we try and, you know, counter that terribleness with a little cranberry sauce? A little red guy here? I want to save that because I feel like that's got promise. And I really, I want to <laughs> okay. get the ones out of the way that I feel like are going to screw us. Well, what do we have left? We got uh We have turkey, turkey either pie or carrots, and then stuffing. Okay, I, I vote that we go yellow on top, brown on bottom. So I'm going to guess this is stuffing. Let's see. Oh, I think that's human feces is what that is. What is that? <laughs> is that turkey? I think it's turkey. <laughs> I think it's turkey because it has kind of like a, at the end, the aftertaste is almost a little smoky or something. Yes. That's turkey. And that is, again, repulsive. Oh, my God. I have such a large bag of this stuff. <laughs> Can I just say, Kevin, almost every episode, I pick the spoiler snack. <laughs> and there's no coincidence that this is the worst one we've ever done. <laughs> Nathan, I knew this was going to be terrible going You're into banned, it. That is Kevin. why I picked it. That is why I picked it. This is for all those goddamn frozen drinks you made me drink. I'm just over here. <laughs> if you... I'm, just eating, I'm just eating normal candy corn over here right now, making you go through this by yourself. That was disgusting. I think it's candy corn is just... I don't know what's in candy corn. I assume mainly just sugar. So they all had this base sugary taste. And then it's just like hints of this other stuff that should not be in there at all. I've got a pretty iron stomach. I am feeling queasy right now. The green beans one literally almost made me throw up. God, I'm going to give these to somebody I don't like. So tune into our Instagram giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a fast food film friends pop socket and a whole bag of Thanksgiving dinner candy corn. I think we have to save the cranberry for last because yeah, yep. I just have so little faith in any of the other options. How did they not do a mashed potatoes and gravy? Like, they even have the white and brown. I don't understand how that's not an easy They would manage to fuck that up, too. All right. Well, let's, what are we doing next? I think we should do... Okay, what do we have? Stuffing and pie or carrots? I don't know. We should do this, like, orange on top, brownish on bottom. It's probably stuffing. Okay. They all smell the exact same. Yeah, I don't know why just... we're both doing this. <laughs> all right, ready? All right. Yeah, let's do it. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, I was getting bad fast. Started out good. I think that's the carrot. That tastes kind of carroty. And gingery. Like, there's like... Started out pretty good. Yeah, there is ginger at the end. You're right. That is the ginger glazed carrot. By Not far bad. the best one yet. Yeah. Which is saying bad. almost nothing. So I don't know what that other one was then. It, it had to have it, been the pie. Yeah. It was vague enough that I could... It was just like kind of like a weak sweet potato flavor. I don't know. Very weak. Very weak. Okay. So the carrot, not bad. So we know that we have stuffing and cranberry left. I feel confident in saying that. Um, I think the stuffing... I think the one we think is turkey could have been stuffing too though. God, I hope it wasn't. I don't... I mean, I don't even... Like stuffing is going to also be bad. I love stuffing myself. Well, yes. that is that is not the conversation <laughs> that I had. That is the worst way to say that, by the way. Just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> All right. <sighs> We're going with the not cranberry. What if they throw us a curveball in the cranberry, the red one's like turkey or something? <laughs> it's the blood of the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Gizzard. All right. All right. Let's, let's go. Let's do this. Is that turkey? I'm honestly going to throw up on the computer. <laughs> oh, oh my God. The end of it is so bad. It almost has like a coffee taste at the end. Is this the pie? Mm-hmm. That has to be. That is This is so by gross. far the sweetest one. Oh, I've what got What did we literal, mess up here? Look, I've got literal goosebumps right now. I'm like full goosey, head to toe, shivering because that tastes so bad. I don't think anything in the world could be worse than this movie. And I have to say, we've picked the perfect food and perfect spoiler snack to accompany this terrible movie. Okay, you're convinced that was the pie, right? I don't know anymore, Nathan. I want to get this I done. feel good about our carrot guess. Okay. That leaves green beans, turkey, pie, and stuffing. It that definitely last wasn't one, turkey. Yeah, that last one was way too sweet to be anything but the pie. Hmm. I think it was the pie, which means that that one that we had earlier was probably the stuffing. The one that we thought was either carrot or pie was yeah, probably the stuffing. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, stuffing is kind of just the middle middle point between carrots and pies. So 
All right, let's get some cranberry sauce. Remember minutes ago when we talked about being hungry still? I am literally not hungry at all anymore. My body is like, lock it up. They're like, the metal doors right now are sliding shut. And I'm going to sneak this little cranberry sauce candy corn right under before my body can completely shut down. <laughs> it's like so, I'm sweating, I'm hot, I got chills at the same time. My body's like, please, no more, no more. God, it's just, I mean, this one has to be decent though. Smells as bad as the other ones. Down the hatch. Hmm. No, that's all right. I knew I made the, a great call there. Yeah. It actually tastes how like candy should taste. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because it's uh, imitating a sugar-based item instead of meat. I am going to leave this bag on somebody's porch and set it on fire. I'm going to keep him around. If Aiden says a bad word, I'm going to make him eat <laughs> one of each. You have to take out all the cranberries first. <laughs> yeah, I'll eat those. Bar none, worst thing I've ever eaten on the show. I've never felt God, compelled to gag. A, yeah, you're right. Even the Burger King tacos I powered through. Uh, these are that was worse. Yeah, that was worse. Can't wait to buy a bag next year. I'm just gonna put it put it in a candy dish around the house and see you know who unexpected people just walk by and oh candy corn. They should collab with Quiznos, and the next batch should be lettuce, <laughs> French dressing, yeah, rosemary, mm. tomato, and they can use the same cranberry one, cheese and turkey. Yeah. I mean, cheese candy corn would taste better than almost all these. Oh, that is a bold statement, sir. I don't know if I can. Cheese candy corn is just a phrase is enough to make me actually throw up. <laughs> those are I, I love all three of those things. <laughs> uh i don't understand why can candy corn is even called candy corn in the in the speaking of syrup. speaking of loving all three of those things Kevin. <laughs> oh that's the best transition in in our podcast history here is how we are going to differentiate the hudgenses okay very simple i don't care to remember their characters names <laughs> What about, Num are, we, listen, are we going occupations or? No. Number one is Stacy from Chicago. Okay. Where her name is number one. Okay. Number two is Margaret the Duchess of Belgravia. These are mm -hmm. the two characters in the first film. If, in case you, in case you uh, didn't have them straight in your mind, number yeah. two is the one who's doing a bad Emma Watson impression the entire time. It is so, the second she spoke, I wrote in my notes in all caps, like, I forgot about her British accent being the most, like, thickly laid on accent I've ever heard. It is, oh god, I don't know how they made the first one, I don't know how this even exists. Alright, sorry. Is the, so got, it is the turkey candy corn of movie accents. It truly is, it truly is. Now, the, the cranberry of movie accents is number three, which <laughs> yeah. was Margaret's cousin Fiona. If anyone, if anyone's listening and you haven't watched this movie, which come join the fun, honestly, mm -hmm. we'll take you. Uh, if you yeah. haven't watched this and you're not sure who number three is, imagine if the song Santa Baby was a person. Mm. Oh, that's yeah. this character. I kind of put her as a as a Lady Gaga meets Samantha from Sex and the City, but trashier uh, with a horrible accent as a. As a big Gaga fan, I don't know what you're drawing on other than Just like her, maybe hair pigment. This is her initial entrance. You know, she's got her hair, big old heels, ridiculous outfit. She wears a stupid hat at some point in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, aesthetically Lady Gaga. Attitude, Samantha from Sex and the City. But just absolute trash throughout. Like just, ugh. So the film starts off with this very cute recap animation that you mentioned all yeah. these memories came rushing back of honestly the first thing i thought of was kevin's abs i don't know if you yeah. remember kevin was a statue of a man smoke show chiseled beyond it. belief it, it, yeah yeah and like i'm remembering all these characters funny lines mm -hmm. funny plot points yep then the movie starts <laughs> the prince gets out of the car and yeah. i'm like I would not have recognized that guy in a million no. years if he wasn't wearing the clothes of a prince. Correct. 100%. Totally forgot about him. 
Uh, <laughs> I like just what happened at like the end of the first movie where they left off. I was like, I have no idea like <laughs> who's dating who or what's happening. Like I have literally no idea. One thing that I also forgot about was that apparently the prince is a horn dog. Yeah. The prince is trying to fuck. Oh yeah. I mean, he wants to spend a little time together. You know, he even tries offering music and wine. And, uh, what do they say? Like, the first scene is just, it's so bad from the start. Like, it's so bad from the start. It's just, like, him trying to get with her. And then she's just like, uh, I'm going to buy the first ticket to Chicago. Bye. And it's like, what is going on? What is happening in this movie? It's so quick to dive into nonsensical moves for the characters. Like, mm-hmm. he's literally begging her to, like, spend time together. And she's so stupid or oblivious or both. I'm going to guess both. That she's just like, oh, you can't go to Chicago? Oh, I'll just buy the first ticket and go without you. Hug, kiss, bye. We're going to get into some more of those decisions in a little bit. Uh, number one, the Hudgens number one. Mm. She goes to get Kevin from the bakery to bring <laughs> him to is, Belgravia. Kevin is not doing well in that scene. Let me tell you. <laughs> he, I've never, I mean, like you said, he was this, you know, Michelangelo's David style man. And this first scene... He's, there's cats everywhere. He's got like a scruffy beard. He's like rocking straight up pajamas while working in his bakery, walking around aimlessly with a baking sheet full of cupcakes, like not bringing them to anybody, just moseying around depressed as hell. The the second that he comes out of the, like, the, the back of the shop, I cheered like my team just scored the winning <laughs> touchdown. And then mm. instantly I thought, what happened, Kevin? Yeah. What happened? Felt- how the mighty have fallen. Why? Like, how are you going to, you could be a baker in whatever goddamn country. I, they're both princesses. I don't know which one's the princess of which town. Hey, uh, hey, watch it. It's a duchess and a princess. What? Which one's a duchess? Duchess is number two, which oh. is the one with the accent. Okay. Okay. Everyone is, is hanging out at the palace together, you know, once they get back there. Mm. And like, this just, it reminded me so much of like, did you know people in college who were just like like a five to six person incestuous friend group who yes. like they all dared each other. They yes. all at one point loved each other. Some of them yes. fell in love with other ones doppelgangers. Oh, yeah. Like I, classic yes. college friend group stuff. Yeah. Except mine. Mine didn't have a like eight year old girl in the right. She's it. just kind of she's just kind of hanging out the whole time. Like she really shouldn't be there for this. And then. They're like sugar fight in the kitchen making cocoa. I thought for sure. I was like, this is when Kevin's shirt comes off. Last movie, oh, yeah. it was two thirds the way through. And this movie, it's going to be 10 minutes in because they know what the people want. That's it. The clothes stay on the entire time. The whole movie. He even the first time we see him after that depressing pajama scene is he pops out of this car, clearly trying to, you know, get number two back. He's trying to look his best. But he clearly doesn't know what kind of vibe he's trying to send because he's rocking like a turtleneck and like a leather racing jacket. And it's I was like, wow, Kev, you're you're trying to do too much. You're trying to as a as a Kev who tries to do too much a lot. Let me tell you, you're doing too much. Just just rock one. I think that he's really at his weakest as a as a romantic interest. The more clothes he has on. I mean, I would rather have seen him in a tinsel sweater than uh you know anything he was wearing that one that tinsel sweater nonsense line with number one just i just hate god every every line in this movie is bad enough to make me want to spend time hating on it every line. i want to i want to give this movie credit actually this whole franchise credit in one regard which is that the casting for the villains is impeccable mm. they find the most punchable faces he does have a very punchable face he walked in Instantly, you can tell, like, he's going to be an important part of this movie. In my notes, I said, like, is he good? Seems slightly evil, slash into her, which in my mind is the same for these people. Um, And I couldn't tell which way it was going to go. I watched this movie with my son, uh, by the way. uh, No. And he he felt the same way, that he did not trust Antonio right when he came on. So if an eight-year-old can tell that you have a punchable face, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty punchable. It's yeah, he's a gr- he's not a great bad guy, but yeah, good cast in me hating him. 
I suppose. So I think we need to kind of walk through the minutia of <laughs> the the plot at this point because it gets complicated. Oh, so it does it ever. Antonio is gunning hard for number two. Yes. Everyone else wants number two to get back with Kevin. Yeah. And she would also, I, I would say that she's intrigued. She wants to spend more time with Kevin. Also, she misses yeah. him. Yeah. But she can't get away from this creep, Antonio. Uh, you know, so, I don't I don't think he's a creep necessarily. He's, she clearly, uh, <laughs> is it, was it your understanding that she can't get away from him? And the reason why in this whole the first switch happens so that she can get away from Antonio and be with Kevin. Is there any other reason in your mind why that happened? I think it's just so she can spend time with Kevin. I don't think she's like spending a ton. I guess when you, you frame it that way, it's easy to see it that way. But I think, you know, prior to Kevin's arrival, I don't think she had motivation or problems getting away from him. Like I, I feel like he was her chief of staff. So they worked together a lot, but I don't think he felt threatened, so I don't think he was like calling non-emergency meetings just to make you know her spend time with him. But who the hell knows? And I don't want to spend time thinking about things outside of this movie. So number one volunteers to switch places with number two as a decoy, mm-hmm. so that number two can go have a nice night with Kevin. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number one can take the flirtation. She can take the attention. She can take whatever comes with being the Duchess. Yeah. The only problem is that number one who is taking on this role the duchess doesn't tell her husband the prince why i there's literally no reason nathan there's they kind of hint later on like that she promised to not do it again but it's like in what world is he like hey don't be doing that again that princess switch stuff because that totally worked out last time like i don't understand it and it's a huge part of like the the problems in this movie they spend the middle third of this movie dealing with that having and there's so a a there are so many better solutions to these issues than switching fucking places again like be independent people set boundaries with other people and do what you want to do like that is it (laughs) every problem solved no movie necessary uh but why like she lies to him so many times this poor, like, 13-year-old girl is just, like, bullshitting this full-grown adult who does not see through her shit at all somehow, because apparently he's the dumbest man in the world. God. Yeah, it is the entire middle part of the movie, is, like, them trying to avoid... Him, like, almost walking up to a door, and then somebody comes along and says, Wait! She's got a headache again! Like, oh, it's so And then dumb. this takes us into the, the botched kidnapping. <laughs> of now, course. The the first film and I, and and this film up until this point is kind of like a like a more complex parent trap, right? No, I would say after this point, this movie is like a Christopher Nolan level of mind bending madness. Because what wow. happens? First of all, let me just let me back up real quick. Mm-hmm. I want to know what the exit strategy was for this kidnapping. Uh, no, so number one. <laughs> It's pretending to be number two. Yeah. And so number, no, number three, three and oh, number yeah, three yeah. and her friends are trying to kidnap who they think is number two, but it's actually mm-hmm. number one. Yeah. They talk to her. She, mm-hmm. she knows who she's talking to for like five minutes. They're in an open place. Many witnesses. Yeah. They go into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They don't knock her out with a boot or something no, like that. I was surprised to see some chloroform come into the picture. A chloroform scene was not on my princess switch to <laughs> bingo board. No, no. And they, they do it in a mirror. She yeah. watches them. Chlor- she knows who did it in how many yeah. kidnappings are the kidnappers. So brazen and so awful at what they're doing, because I would assume that their goal, I would assume that they're not planning on murdering her. I so, think, if she, if she has to be alive by the end, do they have some kind of memory wiping elixir to give her? Because she saw all of it happen. They don't care about that because they're going to be off on an island. In the it's country her that cousin. Doesn't, that, yeah. She's not going to see her again. They're going to an island where they can't be extradited. That's their end game. Get the crown, transfer a ton of money to their account, and leave. And then let the other one and two come out like they normally do in the toilet. <laughs> I, like, I think... The intelligence of these kidnappers is demonstrated very early on in the film when they show like what they pickpocketed from this party 
And one of them, there's like a, a four to five lines of dialogue about toilet paper because he stole a roll of toilet paper and thinks it has value because it's two ply. Again, the writing is in this movie is so bad, so nonsensical. Like we could, we don't know it, what the Belgravian economy values. Oh, it could have been like, why would they make it something so mind blowingly obviously not valuable when they could have picked like a piece of silverware or something dumb that's not that valuable? Like I don't understand why they felt the need to go that fucking dumb. Unless it was to show just that these are the dumbest human beings on planet Earth. Okay, so they established that the henchman and henchwoman are very stupid, right? Yes. And that number three is the mastermind of the operation. Yes. So she has successfully taken the spot of the Duchess, right? Or she thinks so. She thinks so. If you're trying to get away with a robbery kidnapping while impersonating someone, mm-hmm. do you think that you would take the path of least resistance and act normal and not be an asshole to everyone around yeah. you, which is completely yeah. out of character. Yes. You wouldn't attract attention and stir the pot. She kicks the pot in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> she does instantly just blow it up. Like the second she's out of that bathroom, she's just a bitch to everyone. And like in public, calling for her driver, insulting like everyone she sees, firing staff. Like, blend in blend in just for an hour before you absolutely blow this shit up whatever the most logical reaction in any scenario would be this movie at at this point is deliberately doing the opposite like i'm telling you this film is a cry for help someone somewhere is trapped in a basement just Mm. like number one was Mm. they could not make it any more clear for us what is is happening I'm on some reasonable. like I'm on some princess switch QAnon shit right now. This is the most reasonable explanation. Like someone somewhere has to be liberated. Yeah, we should we should actually look into that because I can't understand how else this movie came to be. So number number one escapes using the Donkey Kong barrel method, <laughs> and while escaping, she takes like 15 seconds to throw on these galoshes that are made for giants. Yep, big old galoshes and. Okay, you mentioned the first, you know, four-fifths, five-sixths, how the movie is one way, and there seems to be a turn. I think that for all the bad things that we can say about this movie, at the very least, they could have gone down a much a much more rehashy, similar route as the first one. Mm-hmm. For the most part, they kind of went down a different road until the end, when they completely dropped the plot of the entire movie, <laughs> run to the airport, and like recreate the ending of the first movie i fucking that airport scene just drives me insane like every aspect of that airport scene is the dumbest aspect of this movie it is the worst ending to a movie i've ever seen it makes no sense it is just dumb like just there's no other word to use than dumb it's so dumb like uh, like the fucking future queen is going to just get married by some random priest who's clearly like, stop fucking bugging me, I have to be on a flight, like trying to get out of the situation. And yeah, 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 we'll just just get married here. I'm going to be the queen. Yeah, fucking right. So number one and number two run into the chapel to foil the plan. And number two is like, you just attempted high treason. And -hmm. then number one is like, bitch, you chloroformed me. And I watched you. And number three's response is, I did it because my parents didn't like me. Yep. You were the only real family I ever had. I think, I mean, I think it's obvious at that point that she's an empty person and is just saying whatever she can to get out of trouble. But the fact that, like, she is not taken into custody right there and, like, does a cartoonish runoff at the end of that scene before it cuts to the next scene, I just don't get who signed off on all this. I don't understand... (laughs) Who said it was okay? Like, yep, that's the direction we're going to go. Well, the part that if if there was like just a cartoonish runoff and she escaped, like leaving it open for whatever happens in number three, that'd be one thing. But it's number two buying it and like saying that she'll shorten the prison sentence where I'm like, oh, you're all they're all stupid characters. (laughs) Look at how to be invested in any of what happens because everyone's just really, really dumb. They're all so dumb now 
I, you know, we, we got through the main points of the plot there. There are some smaller points that I want to touch on because they're even dumber. Let's hear even it. dumber. And I, I will say, speaking of dumb, I want to give you my early take on Tony Antonio, Tony, as I call him. Sure. Uh, I said, I, I don't think he's evil because this movie can't have characters with depth or ulterior motives. He's either just like a nice guy who's in love with her. I thought, I thought he had to be a nice guy who was just in love with her and happened to be your chief of staff. And then that turn, that was the turning point I noted. Cause I was like, wow, this movie actually has one character with some depth and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> growth and evolution. But that was just me being dumb. Cause really in the end he doesn't. Uh, I think the thing that made me most mad about this movie was the, when she does get time to spend with Kevin, they just go to like this Christmas town and it's completely deserted like on Christmas Eve. They clearly had no extras. <laughs> I wouldn't night. sign up. If somebody said like, Hey, you want to be an extra? I'd be like, yeah. And they said, princess switch switched again. I'd be like, no, I sure don't. <laughs> uh, pass. Also, Fiona drives a convertible in the winter, which is just perfect to me. And her hair was still flawless. God, that fucking hair. Every, God. Oh, it's just all so dumb. One, one part of this movie that I think, they really got their money's worth in though is the props department because there is not an empty table in this entire movie. Every scene, it is so full of either Christmas decorations or just nonsense items on tables like that storage room, the basement, literally the stairs are overflowing with all these absurd props. Like none of it makes sense. None of it would be in the bottom of like an estate and it's every, every single scene there's it's overflowing. And I think it's just to, distract because if it was just these people in like normal rooms nobody would watch these movies because it would be so fucking just mind-numbing you like have to have shiny sparkly ridiculous things like a lot of these scenes look like those like pictures as a kid in like a highlights magazine where it's like find the fork and the rain boots and it's like oh there they are next to the giant barrel and like oh it's just like you need other things to look at and think about instead of the plot and dialogue of this movie. Otherwise, you you would just go brain dead. They definitely spent at least eight of the ten million dollars at Home Goods and Michaels. <laughs> it's like a Home Goods store to around Christmas is what most of these scenes are. Okay, did you notice? I don't know if I'm imagining this. I've never seen these movies. The Christmas Prince films this, on netflix yes. that those characters are in this is oh that my God. a thing this is okay so i've never seen those movies either i was watching this with my girlfriend too she goes oh those people and i was like wait 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 who the fuck are those people and she was like oh i think they're from the christmas prince and i was like this is in the same universe as right. these other christmas movies i was like this is huge this is opening the door to so many more princess switches and i don't I, like i i think it had to have just been <laughs> like a gimmick shot like oh let's get them in there too because they could have no, honestly cgi them in there they probably did uh but i was like i didn't know they were expanding this universe and i am uh, very intrigued to see like a crossover with holiday and whatever trash operation christmas drop well wasn't it was it this move the first movie where they were like watching tv and they turned on netflix yes and it would it showed actual Netflix. I, I, I thought it was like the Christmas oh, Prince or something. Oh God! So in You're this right. universe, both Netflix movies exist and the characters from those movies. Oh, this is what I'm God. saying. This is some mind melting shit, Kevin. It is so many layers. Oh God! I think these films are deeper than we can understand. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say no. Um, so you know, at the end, um, a. Kevin gave in the first movie. I, I don't. I don't know if you remember, but there's a point where Kevin like does a sigh or a laugh or something that is like the worst acted point of the movie. I still have a recording oh, of it on my phone. Oh, I remember. I played it for you. He does it again. He he has his moment in this film too. It's at the end when they're like at the airport getting married under a perfect like wedding altar that just happened to be by the priest getting coffee because of course. Uh, and like the announcer comes on and he's like last flight, last call, and it like just close-up of kevin's face and it's like his like <laughs> like what oh it's silly it's the worst laugh in the world the worst laugh in the world he is not a good actor and also he's carrying around a wedding ring for the girl who rejected him 
who just broke up with him. He's going, he's flying home because she just broke his heart and he's still got the ring in his jacket. Kevin is a pathetic man and deserves to be in his cat bakery in pajamas. I think his frame of mind is like, I'm going to a beautiful place with the woman I love and two women that look like her. My mm. odds are strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's That's a very true. good chance I'm coming back a married man. If you had to have your own voice be either number two or number three's accent for the rest of your life, whose voice would you choose? Number two's voice, number three's wig. Ooh, I like that choice. That's a power move. I hated this movie. Aiden, my son, loves, like, every movie. He's never seen a movie he doesn't like. I asked him after he watched this. (laughs) And I only made him watch this because I was like, I can watch one movie after I put him to bed, which I wanted to be uh, Mank or uh, American Utopia. And I was like, I need to watch this stupid movie this week. And so I was like, Aiden, guess what? I'm going to watch a Christmas movie. He's like, oh, cool. I'm going to infect your brain with this too. Oh, God. And his review, the only negative review of a movie he's ever said, it was okay. Not my favorite, but I liked it. (laughs) And every other movie he's ever seen has been like, I loved it. Maybe there's some there's some gaps there because he hasn't seen the first one. I feel like he would really the whole picture would be complete. The th- I was like, so it starts off and it's the scene where the prince is trying to get laid, and I was like, are these movies dirtier than I remember? <laughs> I was like, what am I getting this kid into? And then I was like, oh no, it's all just Christmassy stupidity for the rest of the movie. Well, reviewing these films has been one of my favorite traditions no. on our show. I'd rather eat this candy corn every episode than do another one of these <laughs> no, movies. No I was like, this weekend coincided with the release of like seven movies that I cannot wait to watch for quality reasons. <laughs> and I had to prioritize this piece of shit. And I was so sour about it. Like I was just moping around the whole day knowing that this movie was the the period on that day. <laughs> to recap, everything we tried and talked about sucked. <laughs> You can find all of our episodes that uh, I promise contain much more enjoyment and positivity on Mm -hmm. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, pretty much wherever else you find your podcasts. That is correct. And if you like us or what we say, what comes out of our mouth goes into your ears, feel free to leave us a review on whatever uh, platform you're listening on. You can also grab some of your very own Fast Food Film Friends merch at FastFoodFilmFriends.com. And you can follow us on all the socials, Instagram and Facebook, Fast Food Film Friends, Twitter, FFFF Podcast, or email us at fastfoodfilmfriends at gmail.com. We're going to be much more intentional about reading emails on air and making sure that we get back to you guys because we have a mountain of emails that we need to get to. And we keep recording these three hour long episodes about terrible movies. And instead, we should talk about your terrible emails. So uh, shoot us an email at fastfoodfilmfriends at gmail.com. And until next time, farewell. farewell.